What's up? Welcome to the Keeping Stock Sneaker Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gray. In this week's episode, we took a deep dive into the mind of serial entrepreneur, CEO, and co-founder of the Aglet app, Ryan Mullins. Ryan and I discussed a wide variety of topics ranging from technology to video games to cryptocurrencies to the inspiration and design of the Aglet app, and of course, sneakers. So as you can tell, this episode is packed full and I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's get into it. With over 15 years of experience in business development, today's guest is engaged in abundance of areas such as consumer behavior, growth hacking, blockchain technologies, emerging technologies, mobile development, and more. His current efforts have amalgamated into the creation of mobile gaming app, Aglet. The Aglet app is aiming to connect sneakerheads, creators, and brands through virtual sneakers and augmented reality. It's easy to say Aglet has caught my full attention. And without further ado, welcome to the show, CEO of Aglet, Mr. Ryan Mullins. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Julian? Doing well. I appreciate you for hopping on the the podcast. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, so far, Ryan, how would you say your experience with Aglet has gone in the past couple of days since it has launched? Well, we've been very pleasantly surprised with how it's been received. So, it's a startup, so we you know we literally just launched the first week, like you said. So in startup language, we're on D seven, so day seven. Some might think it's probably the worst time ever to launch a location-based game, right? It's uh, literally in the middle of a pandemic. But weirdly, we kind of thought that it was for that very reason, kind of the best time. Uh, not that we want to put you know the players in in jeopardy or have them break you know social regulations, social distancing laws, or anything like that. But it was more that we felt like. You know the the number of testers that we had built up over this time had reached you know two or three hundred, and um, we had gotten kind of close to all those testers. And when we asked them, you know, hey, we're in this dilemma: should we release it or not? Do you think it's irresponsible of us? Literally, like there wasn't a single person that objected that said, "Please don't." It was more like, "Yes, please release it now," because I need a reason to get out. I'm like, you know, going to jump out the window here soon. I I want to get out and get my thirty minutes or my hour. You know, I'm already doing a jog, or I'm already doing you know, by myself solo, I'm doing some exercise. So, you know, please, please do it. It motivates me to get out and, and get healthy because otherwise I'm just sitting down all day. So we kind of took that as some validation that, okay, if we kind of have a controlled release of this and don't really step on the pedal too much, let's have a controlled kind of soft launch. And the plan was, you know, if, if in the first month we can kind of get a base player volume at about 5,000, we would be cool. You know, that's a nice solid base to kind of start testing the app and roll out some features. And then what happened was we had, you know, three times that amount in the first seven days. So, um, you know, not, not what we expected, but kind of a good problem um, to have. And so what that's done is then now what really happened was earlier than expected, we validated, you know, in the gaming, what's called, you know, the, the kind of the core game loop. Aglet, that core game loop is, you know, walk around, explore. And in so doing, you're going to earn Aglet, our in-game currency, and then with that currency, you are able to then go into the Aglet sneaker shop and then find all of these grails and these sneakers that you probably will never get in reality. So that's kind of the core game mechanic there. And we feel like that was validated because we've received only really, really compelling feedback and positive feedback from all the testers. So in terms of all the metrics, we couldn't be happier with, what, with what's happened over the past seven days. But more importantly, in terms of just the feedback and the energy and the support that we've gotten from the people who are playing it, it's been it's been really great. So um, I couldn't be happier with it. And you know, I've got a great team. We're all just super super excited for where we can go now and try to build 
you know, the ultimate sneaker experience. That's something I've noticed while I've been personally using the app. I'm currently around and approaching around 50,000 steps mm -hmm. um, in the past five to six days that I've been utilizing it. And some things that stood out to me was just the overall user experience, the user interface. It was clean, smooth, easy to utilize. And as you mentioned in there, nailing that, that game loop mm -hmm. and keeping it simple, but keeping it interactive is something I've really enjoyed. And one of the things that made me initially kind of wonder is in this step with Aglet, what were the precursors or learning moments that got you to creating the Aglet app? Mm, that's a hard one because there's not to sound like a total douchebag in saying this, but I, I really feel like Aglet is in a lot of ways sort of my, that's not like my life's work or something, but I've I really, it's like all my interests I've put into this. You know, I'm very much into gaming. I've been playing games my whole life. I've been into sneakers and streetwear also my whole life. You know, I played college basketball. So, I'm, you know, sports is very important to me. My past companies are, have all kind of been in the media content creation platform. So I'm, you know, I'm very interested in, in media, pop culture, hip hop culture, music. So this has really just been this, this culmination of like all my experiences up to this point. But if I can pinpoint kind of the eureka moment where I kind of thought like, ah, this is what I want to build. It was kind of like moments. There, there were a couple different things, you know? So at the very beginning, this, this thing was called in 2017. So that I mean, it does go back me and, you know, Owen and some other people just kind of like thinking about this. It was initially called sneaker crip. And really it was, you know, thinking about how can we put sneakers on the blockchain? How can we put, you know, like, how can we start like a virtual goods company and have these things be, you know, tradable and, and traceable? So almost like a kind of a sneaker card game type thing. And then later, you know, whatever, a year later or whatever, you start to see Dapper Labs and CryptoKitties. You know, th there's all this really interesting stuff that came out that, that enabled digital scarcity. And so, you know, one of the main components of the sneaker industry, as you know, is sort of artificial scarcity. Right. And then leveraging leveraging um, artificial scarcity in order to create a lot of value and, and hype and desire for these, these objects of desire. Ultimately. And so it was just kind of looking at all these different areas as well. I'm, I was a, and still am actually a big player of Pokemon Go. That was, that was really kind of the final eureka moment for me was when I was playing Pokemon Go. And I thought, why isn't this just what shopping looks like. Yeah. Because if you really think about it, like sneaker heads are, are gamers, like it, not in the sense that they're playing video games. The, the actual structure of the sneaker industry, especially for sneaker heads, it's structured like a game. You think about how a game is structured. There is a, an ultimate goal, like an object of desire you're trying to get, and you have all these obstacles like bots, yeah. like scarcity, other people trying to get them before you. And now what you're really trying to do is find different kinds of strategies for how you can get that object of desire or, you know, cop the sneaker, basically. Do you have a plug? Do you know somebody who works at the company? Do you pay $3,000 for a sneaker bot to then use the sneaker bot on Adidas? You know, there's all these different shortcuts and, and kind of cheat codes that you're trying to run to get the sneaker. And then there's the second game you're playing, which is how do you make a profit off of them? You know, if you're playing that game and then collectors is a whole other game. So I just kind of looked at it and thought like, okay, me playing Pokemon Go and walking around, exploring the city, connecting with other people, trying to capture these objects seems like what I already do when I'm trying to, to cop and collect sneakers. Yeah. And so that was kind of the one question that we asked It's sort of typical, right? Of, I guess, entrepreneurs and founders is like, but the what if question. And it was sort of, for us, it was like, what if Pokemon Go really has the key to what the future of 
commerce looks like. And and that sounds kind of kind of strange, I guess, but you know, we we don't want to stop at virtual goods. We actually are all about how do you connect digital and physical together completely. So I think everything that I've been doing is what I call the Prometheus principle. This is the thing that like really drives me. It's kind of my core principle, which is how do you take technologies or knowledge and that only a few have access to and then democratize those? And then how do you supply a platform where innovation can happen on top of that platform using emerging technologies or, or new technologies. This was definitely one of the things that was looking at these new technologies and thinking, okay, how can I leverage those and use those to create a completely new experience and kind of give CPR to the sneaker industry that I think seems to be kind of flatlining in many ways. One of the things you you mentioned towards the end there was the experience for the sneaker community and that made me think of one of the releases last year that I really enjoyed. I was not at the event, but was when Donald Glover and Adidas decided to airdrop access to his sneakers at the event, creating a very memorable experience for those in that area to purchase or utilize that sneaker. Very similar to what you're saying about sneaker community and the gaming mentality intersecting where you're getting this reward loop once you purchase sneakers and you've come out on top has made it very interesting. And I, I can kind of see that projection where Aglet can come into play where you're able to create very individual experiences with, so to speak, treasure hunting down the road. But you also have that ability to bring in that commerce, as you mentioned, like with CryptoKitties, I remember reading for a while, people were spending tons of their currency to buy certain kitties um, on the app. Did that bring in any inspiration for you when developing Aglet? It did a bit. I mean, there, you know, the great thing about decentralized technologies, especially blockchains, is that the ledger is public, you know, so you could actually see the amount of money that people were paying for these one-of-one one rare cats. There were at least 15 cats that sold for over a hundred thousand. You know, usually when somebody says that doesn't make sense, that's that's when I get interested mm -hmm. because it makes sense. It happened. What doesn't make sense is the mental model you're using. You know, to to try to make sense of something, right? So what needs to be modified is your mental model because a lot of people were doing this. It it definitely had an impact on us because again, we're looking at this uh, the gaming market where it's not just crypto kitties it's also you know gold in world of warcraft right a little bit later it was also you know fortnite accounts and virtual skins i mean really the, the accounts are really about getting access to the to the rare skins from earlier seasons i mean there's a bunch of lists you can look at of like the most expensive you know virtual goods so a lot i think a lot of maybe older people not not to throw shade on old people, but like kind of I think older people that maybe aren't really into games and virtual goods might think of it as like this is insane. Why would why do people pay money for you know a virtual sneaker or for a virtual cat? What does that mean? My response is usually like, well, you know, haven't you have you ever bought like a ringtone that's also spending money on a virtual good or basically all the music you listen to now? It's weird for a lot of people, but if you see younger people, it's actually you know almost a default setting that of course you pay money for you know for virtual goods and you know i mean 200,000 might might be a bit ridiculous for a cat but it you know for me it was more about the mechanic of the game you know the genetic structure of the game how they how they played on the breeding and the generation of a rare scarce you know provably scarce um uh, cat that was interesting for us. And then, so we definitely looked at that as an, and took inspiration from the game mechanics, but then also sort of saying that, hey, people will pay just like people pay, th you know, 30, 40 grand for a Nike mag. People will 
probably pay that for the virtual one as well. And so the, you know, really the second inspiration as well in that was watching the complexes sneaker shopping. That was one of the really core things as well that I, I guess I didn't mention earlier was, you know, me watching this show, you know, I've got a decent sneaker collection, but I'm not like, you know, Offset or Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> or PJ Tucker that I'm going to walk in with Joe LaPuma to stadium goods and drop, you know, 50K right. on some sneakers. And luckily I'm, I'm not alone there. There's I guess unluck, unlucky for for all of us, but also I'm not standing there alone in that. There's you know 99% of the population isn't in the position to go in and be like, hey, money's not an issue for me. I'm going to get whatever I want. Exactly. And so one of the inspirations for Aglet was like, okay, well, like, okay, we might not ever have that experience, but I can simulate that. And you know, when I'm watching that, I am kind of projecting myself into walking around the store with Joe LaPuma and thinking, hmm, what would I get if I had 50k and it didn't matter. And I could just cop whatever I wanted. So that what if you could do, what if everybody could do that in this game where you're doing what you're doing anyway, which is walk around. And now you're earning up this currency that here are all the grails in the shop that you'll never get in reality. And you can at least still participate in the game. And so you're sort of living out this fantasy of like, what if I'm like offset and I can just get these sneakers? So that was kind of another inspiration there, but it all kind of hovers around the collecting and the the passion for these these objects. And then of course, kind of the flex that's associated with that of getting this object of desire. When, from your viewpoint as the founder of the app, when you boil it down to as we're kind of touching on, in some games, they consider it pay to win or pay to play. How did you and your team find the appropriate balance between the gold aglets, which you purchase with real currency, and the aglets that you earn through walking and crewing these aglets over time? How did you go about finding the right balance that doesn't affect the user experience or the user impression where they feel that everything is out of their reach? but they can actually work towards some one of 50, you know, Jordan White Cement 3s on the app. We modeled it on V-Bucks. The obvious objection here is that in in Fortnite, you can, based on your skill and your performance, you can earn V-Bucks. So there's a little bit of like the the skill, the leveling up, the building up the experience points, completing the challenges so that you can then, you know, get the V-Bucks. Mario Kart's the same, you know, you, you can basically reward, get rewards of, you know, rubies that you can go and later do the pipeline. So you get, you know, better characters and cards and stuff like that. And what we didn't want to do though, is, you know, there's kind of the fantasy of like anybody getting all the sneakers that they ever want, but it's not, it shouldn't be like so easy that like literally everybody just has the same shelf. That really wouldn't be much of a game, almost like by definition, you know, like a game. (laughs) Yeah. So there still has to be some kind of like effort in there. With the distinction between the gold aglet and the aglet, one is we obviously have to make money somehow to you know keep the game going. In terms of the pay to win, it's it's not as if you so if you buy you know the Jesus Resurrection sandal, which is one of the, I mean that's a one of one. You know, so there's only one in the game. A lot of people were like, why is it so expensive? Well, if you actually think about it, and I'm you know not giving investment advice. I'm not t- saying that you should go and buy that sneaker. But from the like when we open up the trading. And the reselling, if you think about the money that people made, you know, selling Fortnite accounts, skins, gold, and the the cats or whatever, it's like, it's not so much that you're spending the money on the Jesus sandal, it's more like you're reallocating capital that when a marketplace opens up, this could potentially be worth something, right? Because there's only one of them. With the gold aglet, it was more that we, one, we needed obviously to monetize it, but we wanted to do it. The balance that we tried to strike was that even if you're buying 
these sneakers, you might earn more aglet because you know the structure of the game is that you you're earning a certain number of aglet per one thousand steps. Higher tier sneakers like the Grails at tier zero are earning you know really really high aglet rates, right. but they also have lower durability and they can only be repaired once. So even if you spend a lot of money for the Grail, you have to make a decision as a player: Do I wear this? Um, because if you wear it and the condition goes down, it's going to reduce the value of it when you want to trade. Um, just like in real life, you're not, you know, you want to keep it dead stock if you're going to sell it. So in our game, you can still purchase something in gold aglet, but now you have to make the decision. If you paid gold aglet for that sneaker, is it something you want to use in the game? Because if so, it's going to be, it's going to deteriorate the the condition of the sneaker faster because it's lower durability. So you won't earn as much aglet probably over time, but also it will probably diminish the value of the sneaker on the open market when we open up the trading. That's the balance we tried to strike was, you know, how do we make it that it's it's not a pay to win, but at the same time, you you still, you know, can pay for something to still get a kind of temporal advantage or short, short-term advantage. It's not even really an advantage because it's not like you're paying for something and then you don't have to do anything. If you want to earn the aglet for the gold aglet sneaker, you know, you still have to actually do something and take, you know, you have to take steps. I enjoy that it accurately reflected physical sneaker community in every regard, right? People are going to pay more for a more limited sneaker. And that's why you see those typically sell out immediately. You see their prices and value inflate over time. You see companies like StockX building off of that. And then if they're worn, obviously you're not going to get as much. I think that's something subconsciously that I enjoyed about that happened, that strategy to understand, okay, I have purchased this white cement three. Do I want to wear it and get all the points that it's accumulating or do I want to keep it because it's in this first batch? And I think part of the strategy from the gaming aspect has tied in perfectly for my experience so far. I appreciate that. I mean, it's, you know, it's also just part of, you know, in many ways it's on the, on the team, like we're all sneakerheads. We all love gaming and we're just bringing these two passions together. And the idea was always to build a game layer into the sneakerhead experience. What we've really tried to do was just, you know, if you think of like Facebook back in the day when they first started, really all they did was just digitize your real life social networks. They just built like a digital layer into your real life social networks and then tried to find patterns that emerged. So there's something called the Dunbar number, which is you know the average person has around 125 connections. So once you find the Dunbar number, then you can kind of start to build, build off of that. And so for us, it was how do you build a game layer into the sneaker game? And then, okay, how do you literally build a sneaker game? And so that involves, you know, wearing sneakers, the condition going down, you know, the batch numbers, doing drops that, you know, some people tried to get the court purples. You know, we sold court purples out in like six minutes. The same exact game mechanics that are there in real life, what we tried to do was leverage the unique properties of a, of a purely digital kind of experience um, to make it even better. And like I said, it's, we don't do anything unless it puts a smile on your face. Like that's kind of one of our core principles is to have fun, like Pixar, like just the magic. This is really great. Like sneakers are great. The stories of sneakers are great. Other sneakerheads are great. You know, these events are great. There's so much culture and energy around it. Like it should be fun. And we just kind of felt like it, it wasn't really fun anymore. So how can we just sort of create a separate space and and have, you know, a really great time and hopefully put a smile on everybody's faces, you know, when you're unboxing a sneaker in the game, like that should be, you know, fun. That's really our whole 
our kind of our whole brand is that. And so, you know, one of our other core principles is what, what we call shit. And that is uh, superheroes in training. <laughs> and the whole idea here is that, you know, when you do go into a shop or you do finally, you know, cop a pair, pair of sneakers on the sneakers app or something like you feel like a hero, even though you really didn't do anything like you feel great. It feels amazing. And so the idea of superheroes in training is that every game, every platform is really designed to make you feel like you're going from Peter Parker to, to Spider-Man. How do you transform somebody from what they were to what they want to be? I think that in sneakers, maybe I'm giving too much credit for this, you know, sneakers and sneaker industry, but there is this sort of transformational feeling of like going from not having them to having them and sort of that feeling of that power that you kind of have, like when you get that object that you wanted and you're wearing it and you unbox it, you know, for us, the, the shit is very serious. It's, we want you to feel like a hero, like that you have, a, you've done something and that trickles all the way down into everything we do because it's also about mental and physical health, you know, cause we are encouraging you to get active. You know, I think it's about you feeling great ultimately. Overall, it feels authentic from the team that you've compiled of being gamers and sneakerheads understanding the culture itself and that social status of leveling up when you go from sneakers your parents were buying you to the sneakers that you actually wanted or vice versa. You can feel that in the community and in the game. When you kind of talked about your team a bit there, were those some of the principles that were important to you when assembling your team as the backgrounds? You know, most of the team, these are guys that I've like Owen, my you know, one of my co-founders. So he was my CTO at my last company. So he's he's a person that I I probably trust, you know, other than probably my wife, but I just trust him more than anyone in the world. I mean, this guy is just a true beast, super talented, super smart, very sharp, great manager, execution. You know, he's, he's the executioner. You know, this guy is, is just incredible. And like, I couldn't do what I do without you know, without Owen. And then, you know, we have Shamik, our, who's our CTO. So Owen right now is, you know, head of product, but our CTO, Shamik, is, is another guy. I mean, he's, you know, just fantastic, fantastically skilled. And then our, you know, everyone is talking about how amazing the UX and the UI is. And that's down to, you know, TK, our UX, uh, UI designer, just a crazy talented guy. And then the sneakers themselves, Dan, Dan Freebaron from kickposters.com. I mean, he's, he's got 250, 300,000 followers for a reason. Um, right. All around, and then you know, and then we just brought on somebody, a guy named Azim, um, that we've gotten to know over the past six months. Crazy smart guy, really great network. Comes from you know hip hop music industry, worked at Rock Nation, stuff like that. Also big into sneakerhead, uh, sneakers and gaming. So it was just one of those things where I guess luckily I didn't really have to like go searching really for the team. It was just kind of like this is kind of our crew, and we all have the same passions and the same interests. And in addition to just you know, the sneakers and the gaming and stuff is that we're also all entrepreneurs and we're all super passionate about, you know, making an impact and, and building products and shipping products that, you know, do cool things for people and having fun while we do it. So I think we, the team itself, what's important for me is that I forgot where the quote's from, but there's the quote, like, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're probably in the wrong room. And I think that's great with, with our team is that everyone is an expert in their area and we all know our strengths and weaknesses and we compensate for those weaknesses. We're also a distributed team. So I think if we were all actually in the same place, it would be weird. So we're all used to, you know, working separate. So, you know, I'm in Germany, Owen's in Australia, uh, TK is in New Zealand, Shamik's in Poland, and Azim is in the US um, and Dan's in the UK. So like we're literally following the sun. Um, 
which works really well for customer support. <laughs> so I think only a team that trusts each other and has the proper motivation and passion to do something really great can pull off a distributed team like that. Yeah. I mean, having a variety of perspectives and range is definitely beneficial. And I'd like to kind of hit on the point of having all these different perspectives and entrepreneurs when it comes to an obstacle in development or in future predictions, how do you guys go about settling that obstacle or all coming to the same conclusion? One of the misconceptions that I that I saw working at Adidas was that people who've never worked in a startup before, they, they always think that like, everything is sort of improvisational and like you're moving super duper fast and like it's this big democracy where everybody's like throwing their ideas around and then quote unquote go agile uh, and all this stuff i you know i think really for me startups at least initially are definitely dictatorships okay. where you know, the founders are the ones that are really kind of dictating at least the vision right or the the framework in which you're working but then within the framework itself is where that's where it should be kind of meritocracy of, you know, best idea wins. So for us, you know, we have a very, it's not like an aggressive team, but we're definitely a team that really likes discussion and debate because none of us get our feelings hurt. It's not about the feelings. It's about, does this decision fit with the core principles of our game? Is this decision that we make, does this concept that we're going to introduce to overcome that obstacle or circumvent that obstacle, does that lead to the consumer or the player, you know, having having a smile of having the experience that we want them to have. So, you know, of course it gets, it gets heated. You know, I don't, I don't think those founders have like pulled a rank or something like, you know, I get what you're saying, but I'm the CEO. So it's this or the highway, buddy. Like none of that, none of that has happened. What we're really good at again so far is that what we see is like, I think what we are good at as a team is giving each other rope. If, if Owen and I are going back and forth about an idea you know, product is his, that's his area. He's probably better at product than me. I'm, I'm, you know, willing to admit that. So here's the rope, you know, like you either climb up to the heavens or you hang yourself. Right. We're willing to give each other the freedom in their area. You know, so Dan is, you know, an Instagram ninja. That's how he's built his, his business. So I'm not about to like, you know, I can critique and give feedback on some stuff and I'll definitely say like, no, let's not do that now. Let's do it later. But like, ultimately that's what Dan's good at. So you want to hire people that you trust when you give them the rope that they're going to perform at a high level. And if it, you know, if they fuck it up, then it's, it's all about, you know, we learn. Okay, great. You know, we've already made a bunch of mistakes in the first seven days and you can't, it's like the sunk cost fallacy. You can't just like dwell on it and, and or anything. It's just like, okay, what do we learn from that? And now the next time we run an experiment, let's, you know, use that as input to make it a much more efficient, hopefully higher growth generating experiment. Right. I think it's all about the trust and it's about giving the people, the freedom to come up and to do their best. So they come up with the best ideas so that when we ultimately decide like, okay, this is what we're going with, that if the people who disagree that what we have also as a cultural value on our team is disagree, but then commit. So let's not hold any grudges or anything like that. It's like, okay, you disagreed, you said your piece, but this is the direction that we're going to go in given that you know we have a certain number of agreements here. So disagree, but then commit. And then if it ends up being wrong, then let's quickly pivot you know, change up the experiment, take the learnings and then go forward. Establishing that trust and foundation and that cultural value, you know, at this point of launch the app, when you talked about seeing some of those obstacles in the first seven days, what was one of them that stood out to you? And how do you feel that 
you know, what you guys have created as a culture has benefited, benefited you to overcome that obstacle relatively smoothly or for help for the future? One of the reasons I, I left startup, I wanted to learn what it's like to work at a brand or a company that already has hundreds of millions of like people who love the brand. You know, that's going from like one to a hundred. It's a very different experience when you're in a startup where nobody gives a shit about you because they don't know who you are. And the whole point of it is like, you know, your go to market, finding the distribution channel. Are you going to create something that sticks? Does your message resonate with the target audience? Blah, blah, like startup 101. What I learned at Adidas was the process and this kind of the scheduling of like releasing things. You know what I mean? And sort of trusting that because there's a lot of desperation when you're doing a startup because it's kind of crazy, you know? It's like, okay, now we're going to release and, you know, here's whatever, 7 billion people out there. What's going to happen? Is it going to be a turd and just kind of fall stillborn from the app store or is it going to be a rocket ship? Is it going to be maybe even worse, just like like kind of flatline? There's all this uncertainty around and it's kind of nerve wracking. But, you know, I think that given all of our kind of just involvement in our being part of the sneaker community itself, we were able to kind of leverage our existing networks. You know, we had a good strategy of getting game out to the right people to play it. And luckily the game is good. You know, I mean, that's obvious that has to matter, right? I mean, it's sort of like you could have this amazing uh, marketing video or something like that, like a dollar sh shave club ripoff and like everybody likes the video and they laugh and they download the app. But if the game itself is a turd, then it doesn't really matter. So the trust part is that we have the right team that knows how to build this particular game, you know, in this particular genre for these kind of people. And there's the trust there that I think we have built the right game. And then it was a matter of, all right, our go-to-market strategy for the goals that we have, what's the best way to reach those goals? And then it's about selecting, you know, the right platform, the right distribution channel, the right messaging, getting the right people to play with it and sort of sh share that and flex that. And then you just kind of hope you know, you're running an experiment, then it's just the scientific method, really. You know, it's, you're, you're running an experiment, seeing what happens, and then you're tweaking various things to run another experiment, and you're trying to maintain a certain level of growth in between those experiments. And I think one thing that's really overlooked by a lot of startup founders is that running experiments is one of the most crucial things that you can do. And you better damn well design really great experiments because most startups have financial runway for what, a year or six months? So- how many experiments do you have in those six months that you can run that will get you the kind of growth you need to convince investors to put more money in or to generate more revenue? So it's really all about having a team that understands what it means to run experiments, knows how to design them really well, and then knows how to take the learnings and then apply them to the next iteration. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the scientific method and also choosing those experiments, it's choosing the right experiments. And I think that boils down further to if you don't have the right cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, and you aren't agreeing to use the right experiments, you might put, you know, in this case, maybe an app launch may go sideways, even though it is a great game because you aren't testing for the right things. And seeing as we're on D7 here during a pandemic, everyone's staying home. The functionality of the app is limited at the moment. Yeah. What are some things users can expect as you know, things open up more and people can go outside and interact or go to social events. You know, that, that's kind of the, the tough part of where we are at the moment is that by design, we're sort of pumping the brakes a little bit because we don't want to encourage people to like head to the same, you know, deadstock station in LA. And, you know, then there's like 30 people at this one station. I mean, let's just assume it would be great. I, you know, let's hope this is the case, but like the Pokemon Go craze that happened 
you know, if you've got a hundred people at a station, that's probably not the best thing right now. Yeah. So we've intentionally, that's why I said earlier that, you know, we really only wanted like, you know, 3,000, 5,000 people in the first month to just slowly get them playing the game so that when the world does open up a little bit more, they know the main mechanics of the game. And then by that time, we'll be able to release more features. And then I guess literally they hit the ground running and they know how to play the game. Didn't really turn out that way, but I mean, in a, in a positive sense. And, you know, as you said, it is it is very limited at the moment. And that's by design. And the reason that it's by design as well, other than the pandemic part, is that, as you know, you know, a minimum viable product is doesn't mean, you know, releasing a bunch of stuff that are all mediocre and then you see what happens. It's really about, right. can you release a thing that does one thing in a world-class way? And it does that one thing better than anything else that's out there. And so what we wanted to do was release kind of a minimum viable game that really highlighted this core game loop to see whether or not that was the game loop that would get people excited. And I think that we, I don't think we like nailed it or something, but it seems to be that that it's validated, that that, that loop works. And so now what it is, is sort of typical process of like, it's not adding and just throwing on a bunch of features, but now it's really about how do we make that that game loop more and more exciting. And so to answer the question, some of the features that we're developing now is the biggest limitation of the game currently is that you know, we weren't expecting this many people all over the world to be playing the game. So we didn't have that many locations built in yet. We're adding like, you know, five to 10 locations every day. But what we do have is something that we're releasing called the uh, Aglet Station Scanner. And so this is going to be a feature in the map. So when you go to explore and you head into the map section, if you don't have any locations, you can basically scan. Uh, a scanner will pop up and scan the map, and then it will automatically generate locations around you. Very similar to how Pokemon Go does it, right? It takes your present coordinates, your current location, and then it sort of populates, you know, Pokemon around you, um, hotspots and stuff like that. So that's something that will happen here. So you'll, if you're in Mumbai or Sheboygan, Wisconsin, like wh wherever you might be, if you come into the game and you don't see any locations, you can scan your area and then it will populate, you know, 15 to 20 different stations around you. And those will be repair stations, dead stock stations and then the treasure stashes, the sneaker boxes. That's going to be a really huge improvement because that's a core part of the game. We're very aware that a bunch of players now have a bunch of beaters on their shelves. <laughs> so the second part of that though, one of my favorite features that we're going to re release is called our ass cleaner. So this <laughs> is uh, Aglet Sneaker Shine. And so Aglet Sneaker Shine is, you know, if you can't get to a repair station, you know, just like in real life, you, you can clean your shoes with Jason Mark or whatever you use. And here we'll have ass cleaner, but then we also have gold ass. Gold ass will get you, we're not sure on the numbers yet, but probably like 25, 30% of repair. Um, so that means, you know, more better condition also means you're earning more aglet, but then there will be just the normal aglet ass cleaner that, that you can get for X number of aglet that gives you, you know, 10 to 15%. We'll also have some power-ups that we release, like um, something called an ass kick, which is, it's like our aglet sec uh, secret sauce. And this is basically a power-up. So if you drink this, it's like an energy drink. If you drink the ass kick, then you get like a 1.5, 2x boost in your in your earning for you know 15 minutes. So if you're going to go on a run and you buy some ass kick, you can sort of 1.5x your earnings. That's some of the you know some of the stuff that we'd be releasing, just kind of make the game funner. We're going to be doing some more fun. We're doing some stuff with the shop that I think will be really fun. I don't want to really release any of that yet, but we've got a ton of stuff planned for that. The big one also is obviously well, the big two, I guess, Android, probably the most demand thing. It's pretty obvious. The trick here is just there's crazy diversity of screen sizes and OEMs, so it's a little bit more complicated, complex to to optimize for that. We built them at the same time. We have a Google stack, so we, you know we're building in Flurry. 
and using Firebase. So I mean, it's you know we're building Android in parallel. It's just it's taken more and more time, given our resources or lack of at the moment, to be able to to do both at the same time. So we will be releasing Android as soon as we can. There will be a lot of Android only features to kind of make up for the delay and all that. So Android, and then also the trading and the social features. You know, you will be able to trade. That's why we have the batch numbers in there. So there will be more social features coming in, trading, selling, and also like, you know, real life meetup selling. So it could be that, you know, if you're in LA, you can unlock a a kind of hotspot that's like a trading hotspot. And then that hotspot will be, you know, on a Saturday, you can meet up with other players to be able to then sort of trade with each other. Very similar to, you know, how Pokemon Go did it initially with the QR codes and the handles and stuff like that. So and as you mentioned Obviously, during the pandemic, it's tough to go outside. But once we get to that social interactivity, is there any specific features or, you know, head-to-head competitions that you may be adding within the Aglet app? Oh, yeah. So this is this is one of the areas that has generated the most attention from the players. We have some plans. I'll tell you them in a second. One of the, one of the places that we're going to interact with the community is going to be on our Discord channel that we're going to be launching. Actually, as soon as I get off the podcast, I can launch it. So we're going to be opening up the Discord server so that we can really start fielding more and more ideas about you know sneaker drops, what sneakers people want, challenge ideas, and stuff like that. But what we have seen on you know on our Instagram comments and also within the app in the chat feature we have is that players have been asking about the ability to directly challenge one of their friends in the game. We have two ideas for that. That would be something like you know, I write you a message and say, "Hey, I want to challenge you to a, you know, to a two-day step off. You know, who's going who's going to be the hot stepper basically?" That would involve one of two things really would be one, I could do a sneaker slips challenge. So kind of the old pink slips idea from the car racing days. So that would be that you and I, I'm going to wear, let's say the, the Elon Musk cyber sneaker and you're and you're wearing the the 95 Air Max OG. And then now whoever wins the the challenge, the loser obviously loses the sneakers. So then you get my pair of sneakers. That's That would be pretty dope, I think. And then the second, we've actually had a lot of people say, I want to be able to challenge somebody and put money into a pot. So I want to put, I want to wager some gold aglet that I can outcompete you over X number of days. And then the winner takes the pot. So this is based on some things, some, some, I guess, kind of rituals or habits that people already do within their group of friends. So how can we kind of replicate that? So those are two things that I'm really looking forward to from the social side of it. In addition to the trading hotspots I mentioned before is like being able to directly challenge an individual, or it could be you know, one thing people have asked about is crews. You know, how can I form my own crew, a sneaker crew, like in my hometown or whatever, and then being able to have like regional competitions and stuff like that, which I think would be really, really cool. In the top 10 of things that's most uh, requested and sort of demanded from this early community is those challenges, both individual challenges and kind of like crew challenges. So we're um, kind of mapping it out now and kind of blueprinting the structure of it to see how it would work. But I think it's something that we can get relatively soon in there. So Definitely, um, for anybody who goes and starts playing it, that's going to be something you can look forward to. And that's interactivity that, you know, I feel at this point, obviously it's limited. Once that gets out, I think that's going to be one of my favorite parts. And further kind of going to those pink slips, I'm sure down the road, there'll be some way to differentiate. We have a batch one sneaker versus a batch two, or, you know, is is that something you've thought about playing around with um, in the app? We're not sure on a date yet, but we will have kind of our inaugural sort of season one, Aglet season one. This grows out of, you know, one, just kind of my love of like, you know, TV shows and stuff. Um, But then also just looking at the fashion industry and how they're able to use, you know, seasons, you know, fall, winter, uh, summer, spring, and, and really be able to take 
influence from things that happen in the world and then fuse those into the designs. Fortnite is another great example. I mean, for me, Fortnite's one of the greatest games of all time. Not because the game itself is is amazing. I think it's it is great, but like the whole package of that game is so brilliant in the way that they've had this these seasons so that they can constantly have new content, new themes, the islands change. You know, there's a Travis Scott concert. I think it's tonight actually. Back to that physical digital convergence or interfacing that they're able to do that. And that's one of the things that we wanted to do as well. And so we will be doing a seasonal structure. So we're going to drop a season one, you know, in a couple months, we're, we're debating a couple different concepts or themes for that. So this is really the kind of the creative direction of Aglet. Um, we can do some really, really fun stuff, I think, with that. And, and what we want to be able to do is just look at this game as like a life sim. You know, we don't want this to be one of these like hyper casual games that's like popular for six months and then nobody plays it again. We want this to be open-ended that's just constantly evolving in step with reality. You know, we want to be able to respond to things. And so that's the point of the seasonal structure. Really, really looking forward to that because that involves even more creative direction and, and creativity and bringing in other interests outside of just sneakers. It's awesome to see, you know, on this roadmap for evergreen or modern content that'll keep someone drawn in. And I mean, the other benefit here talking with you today, Ryan, is for the listeners that are listening, you have a now hearing the roadmap, a giant head start to understand if you can and if it's safe during the current times to get out and start building up that aglet and getting those first batch sneakers. Because as we touched on earlier, once we start trade, you start trading, you're going to have a lot of assets and value in your aglet portfolio, so so to speak, to to trade once you know things start open up. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's sort of the early you know the early adopters, the people that get in there and learning how the game works. We already have people in our game that are creating spreadsheets with like the actual real time data on the earning power of these shoes and which sneakers are in actuality, earning the most aglet. And I think that we're start, you're starting to see a lot of people like we've already sold 10 Red Octobers. Crazy. Somebody has number one of 50. That person, we know this because they've, they've written us, is like they are aware that that sneaker is probably going to be valuable at some point when the trading opens up. Somebody has the number one Jordan 1 Dior. If you can put yourself in long-term shoes, some of these sneakers that are gold aglet purchases or regular aglet purchases put yourself in a very potential powerful position down the road, there you can still get a lot of unique and fun sneakers and kind of flex on your your crew. The real dream for me was, and this goes back to what I was talking about with the Prometheus principle, phase two of this is when it becomes a proper kind of two-sided marketplace. So I'm thinking about the young kid who wants to be the next Virgil. You know, who looks at Virgil Abloh mm. or Kanye or Jerry Lorenzo and thinks, hey, they didn't go the standard track. You know, they Virgil, you know, went to engineering and architecture school. He's DJing. He's taking 23 Pyrex and putting it on a champion crew neck sweatshirt and selling it for $10,000. This guy didn't go through the standard route to become creative director of Louis Vuitton. Kanye didn't go through the standard route. Jerry Lorenzo didn't go through the standard route. But look at where they are. That means I can do it. And so when I think about Roblox and, you know, Epic Games and Fortnite and, you know, now Animal Crossing, and you start looking at all these games and these virtual environments, I actually think that the next Nike is going to be what I call an inverted Nike, which means that the model now is Nike will release some stuff, it's popular, and then they throw it into Fortnite. I think the, the inverse of that happens. I think that what we'll see is a virtual environment 
where people can create their own virtual fashion collections, their own virtual sneakers. And when it pops in those game environments, then it will be produced in real life. So all the collaborations that you see, Ronnie Feig, Fear of God and Converse, and I think the, the young generation coming up will be designing their own uh, virtual fashion collections, um, their own virtual sneakers, putting them into a game, and they will be super popular and they'll build up a following, build up their brand, just like a YouTube or Instagram. And then the manufacturing side will seek them out. And then that's where the collaborations will happen. So that's what I want to build is a platform for both sides of the market that's in the forum of a game. Like that's where this, that's for me where this goes. Fascinating. Yeah. So that, that for me is kind of what gets me really pumped. And that's what I mean by, you know, if you really think of a young kid, like how do you get a job as a designer at Adidas? Like I work there. I don't even know. It's like this weird mystical, I don't know. Is there like a hazing process? Like how do you, how do you get that job? It's really weird. Like there's not really, there's a few, but there's not like any like sneaker academies or something like that. that I mean, there's like pencil, but there, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff out there, but it's not, it's, it's sort of cryptic. It's very weird. And so I, I, what I think about that is I think you're going to start seeing more and more people just kind of finding the shortcuts and the cheat codes and just learning to do it themselves and doing that virtually because the cost of entry is much, much lower than going to fashion school, being an intern at a brand for 10 years and you know finding the capital to start your brand, learning how to manufacture and the the materials. Like there's all there's value to all of that of course, but I think that much like YouTube back in the day where the question was, hey, who's going to create all this content? Nobody thought the answer would be, you know, you would have okay. thought you would learn how to master podcasts and, you know, post-production and, and editing and all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, we just picked it up. And I think that that's what you'll see here is a whole ecosystem emerging for virtual design. That's where I want to take this. You can see hints of that now, you know, not so much virtual into reality, but you see companies and another portion of the potential market for Aglet is when, you know, a brand wants to release a sneaker in Aglet, or you look at what, you know, an example of Nike has done with their signature basketball line and doing the 2K20 yeah. exclusive sneakers. With Aglet, you could do the same thing and qualify someone to, hey, if you've hit X amount of steps in the past seven days or this, that, and a third, you can already qualify an audience for a very exclusive shoe, as you mentioned. But further on that other end, when you look at an up and coming kid who can design footwear in a program on his computer and bring it into a game. Even further down the line, you could look at technology at scale and the potential for 3D printing and templates like that could all be extracted from and found, you know, in an app similar to Aglet or from Aglet at that time, which is really fascinating that you bring that up because I think that that is right where we already see things going into video games. Why can't things go from video games to real yeah, life? That's right. I mean, and if you think of it from a brand perspective, brands are always trying to become more efficient, cut down on, let's say, sample costs or being curious about, you know, I mean, I, I love me some Adidas, but, or Adidas, but 2018 was it was all about, you know, how do you replicate the success of the NMD? And there was just effort after effort and nothing really hit like the NMD. A lot of really aggressive designs, you know, like the DRUP. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of stuff happening in the fashion industry about, you know, how do you use digital design or virtual design? And I think that, you know, why it's important is it, you know, zero marginal costs, obviously. Like, you know, if you sell a one digital sneaker and then you sell a thousand more, those additional thousand sales don't cost you anything to make them. So it's a nice, nice business model, but it's also about if you're going to make them. So if you release sneakers on Aglet as a brand, now what you're doing is you have a game environment 
that's really, for me, the world is the game. It's not that I have a simulation that you're playing. Literally, I've turned the world into a game and now you're just moving through it. So if you now are a brand and you're releasing sneakers before you release them in reality, you can test designs and see, is there a market for these? Like, do people find these things like dope sneakers? Are they buying them virtually even? Is it purchased a lot? Are people trading them? And so now you can kind of measure demand in this virtual environment. And the same thing here would be if you can release these sneakers and you see that people like them, well, now you can think about, well, let's sample them. Let's let's make them. And I think that would be more cost efficient you know, for brands. They can test and sample designs virtually before they actually make one advantage that, that we have is sort of giving them this, this space that they can play around and, and release things and engage with the community in a very new way. I also think that you know, we've got a, we've, we're already talking to like a lot of brands about, you know, doing some really cool stuff with locations, you know, kind of going from virtual to physical. So Hacklet is, to me, it's the first of its kind in terms of a gaming sneaker app already targeted at this community and very authentic. But what I do want to ask you, Ryan, before we, we run it down here is just a couple fun questions about you to learn a little bit more about the co-founder and CEO of Aglet. So first question as a gamer, is it, Sony PlayStation? Is it Microsoft and Xbox or is it Nintendo? I'm really waiting waiting for the Cyberpunk game to come out on PS4. So definitely PS4. So definitely, I guess, pro Sony there. Nintendo Switch. I've been playing the hell out of my Switch. So Animal Crossing, I'm playing that. Probably not. I shouldn't be saying this. Hopefully my investors aren't listening. I've been <laughs> playing a lot of uh, Animal Crossing. You know, Zelda is one of my favorite games. So I've been playing a lot of Zelda. Uh, I have a four-year-old son. So we've been really killing some Mario Kart lately. I love that game, both on mobile and on on the Switch. What about high top or low top shoes? Let's see. High tops or low tops? I think I'm going to go with... For me, it's it's con- so I'm I'm definitely a systems thinker. So for me, it's going <laughs> to be contextual here. So if I'm wearing shorts, I'm probably going to go with low tops. Okay. If I'm wearing jeans, I'm more of a high top, more of a high tops guy. So like right now, I'm wearing jeans and I've got the Jordan One core purples on foundationally that makes sense to me as well i wear my speedo i definitely go with um (laughs) i'll definitely go with some sandals you guys should somehow uh, find a shoe for the the michael phelps speedo and the uh, oh that's a good idea that's that's a one-on-one that's a holy grail in terms of sneakers what's the last three you wore in real life and the the last three you rocked in aglet question so let me look on aglet right now i'm wearing (laughs) well i have the test app so i have a slight advantage and i'm also uh, right now i'm wearing the foam runners in the game and then before that so today i did a little walk just to test some new features and i was wearing the air force one coronavirus that's actually the most popular sneaker right now and then the one i was wearing yesterday so this is my i think my I think this is the most underrated Jordan is the uh, Jordan 23, the Black Stealth. I think this is just absolutely beautiful shoe. So I love this. So I was wearing that. Another one of my favorite brands right now is brilliant, brilliant guy, Ruigi Villasenor, who's the, uh, I guess, the creative director and founder of a brand called Rude. Oh, yeah. Just totally killing it like in every possible way. But I've got a pair of the high recess on here. Um, so I'm okay. in real life. So I just said I'm wearing the court purples. Earlier this morning, I was wearing, uh, I'm I'm definitely getting into New Balance a lot. And so I was wearing, uh, shout out to uh, 43 and a half, a German brand. They dropped the uh, New Balance 992, um, which evidently was the 
shoe that Steve Jobs wore on stage when he announced the iPhone in 2007. Coincidentally, it is also in the Aglet app. So New Balance 992s. And then yesterday, you know, I'm working from home, of course, coronavirus. So I was wearing the new Yeezy slides. Good variety in-house. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you got to kind of keep it fresh. Outside of a time in, in developing and working on the Aglet app, what are you interested in outside of that in terms of media, whether that's books, entertainment, et cetera? Uh, Entertainment-wise, so you know, obviously I'm watching Last Dance. Um, uh. First two episodes were, I thought, pretty great. Uh, first episode I thought was kind of slow a little bit, um, yeah. but the second episode was the bomb, I thought. like I didn't know any of that stuff about Scottie Pippen. Um, and I mean, they're really giving it to Jerry Krause. It's kind of a shame that he's not alive to kind of defend himself. Right. We, uh, so Westworld's one of my favorite shows. Like anything, Jonathan Nolan, Christopher Nolan, I'm into. Yeah. Loved, loved that. Great conceptual augmented reality in there for sure. Yeah, exactly. In terms of like books, so books is one of my biggest, biggest passions. You know, my wife is a little bit, gets kind of upset with me because I have an absurd number of sneakers, but then I also have like, you know, two, 3,000 books. So reading and books are a big part of my life. So right now, I think I'm, I'm not really reading anything that's not at least in some ways adjacent to, to Aglet. Okay. I'm not reading books about like sneakers or something. It's more how I really see Aglet. You know, I mentioned the, the evolution that I, that I hope to be able to, to push forward into a kind of design platform. You know, using maps technology, I really think that the next phase of the internet is going to be uh, what's called spatial computing. In terms of the Aglet app, location, maps, with the current zeitgeist of data privacy and information, where it's going, X and Y, how did you handle that or how are you handling that within Aglet? It's um, given everything that's happening, seems seemingly hacks every day. There's mm-hmm. you know, the Cambridge Analytica stuff. I mean, everybody's a little bit, not a little bit, a lot sensitive to it. And I think for good reason, it's always something that you have to try to delicately balance. And at the end of the day, you know, this is no different than po- Pokemon Go last year had their most successful year since it came out. They almost made a billion dollars like and more people than ever playing the game. So that many people were willing to give location-based data to the game because it's part of the game. So I'm not we're not asking for your location because, you know, we're going to like give that to anybody. I mean, it's just part of the game. You know, you don't want to sound mean about it, but like if if you don't what what is Aglet if you don't want to do that? We're coming out with ways that you can still play the game. We have something called ghost mode that we're testing right now that we want to release that you don't actually have to go outside and walk around. Like you could, using the map, you could literally go anywhere. It's obviously you know, a delicate thing. And I think we've managed to do it pretty well. We, we ask the permissions up front. And again, if it's not something that you're comfortable with, you know, that's fine. But I'm not sure that the game is going to be all that interesting. Otherwise, we think that the trade-off is quite good because the whole point, again, is to like get you to be moving and healthy, both cognitively and, and physically, and then in so doing, being able to have some fun and you know get these get these grails that you never get. So again, it's another experiment. We hope that we've designed it right, and you know we'll wait for feedback from the users to see if if we've done it the right way or not. The end of the day, I mean data is a, is a neutral source and it's all in the hands of who's utilizing it. And in this case, you know, you guys are utilizing it to better the user experience for Aglet. So those who are using it can have more fun, more interactivity, very similar to what Pokemon Go is doing and using those numbers and statistics. And to understand that data and understand how you as a user are utilizing the app, something I'm looking forward to continuing to see to grow 
maybe you know i'll be on the leaderboards one day and you guys will see me there sneaker done in closing here for the listeners do you have any aglet tips and tricks or fun fact built in maybe that they can look forward to once they join the app i guess some kind of tips i would just say you know make sure that you are looking at the durability of the sneakers so that is one thing so the higher the number is the higher the durability so don't just go in and spend your aglet on the sneaker that you really want, unless you're not going to wear it. If you're going to wear the sneaker, pay attention to the earn rate and pay attention to the durability. So it's part of the strategy of the game. I mean, I made the joke about it at Sneaker Dawn, but the point of the game literally is to build the dopest virtual sneaker collection in the game. So leaderboards are coming. There are ways to flex. So pay attention to those earn rates so you can earn as much aglet as possible so that you can get these these grails and later flex on all your friends that you've got a doper virtual sneaker collection than they do. I would say the second thing is the name. A lot of people have asked, what is aglet? Aglets are actually those plastic things on the end of your shoelace. So that's kind of reflected in our logo. You can see it's, you know, it's an A, but then you've got like the shoestrings with the two kind of empty spots there for the aglets. You know, we wanted to have something that reflected kind of this cryptic unknown thing that most people don't know what an aglet is, even though they've been tying their shoes since they were like five. It's this thing that was like right in front of your face all this time, but you didn't know what it was called, which is kind of how we view innovation, right? Finding opportunities right in front of your face that you didn't see. I appreciate the time today, Ryan. Like I said, I'm a big fan of the app. Look forward to helping out as much as I can and hopefully some people join up I'm going to have some fun on there. I'll be trying to crack 100k steps. There's some very certain shoes I want to go after um, to be in that first batch. What are you going after? I mean, I, I guess I'm going to have to step it up after this after telling everyone, but I really want the Tesla Cybertrucks. Oh, yeah. The, the durability, yeah, the durability is up there. The steps are up there. It's achievable yeah. and it's going to put me on pace to start earning a lot more. So that's the the one in the near radar. Yeah, and I was talking to Elon yesterday and, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he also trying to find the time to get in the steps to get them. So we need to get Elon up here. So, uh, I wasn't talking to Elon. Um, <laughs> I would like to Elon, if you're listening, you know, it might be time to get get a Tesla partnership. All of the information for Aglet will be in the show notes below. Like I said, you can find it on the app store coming to Android soon. Always rolling out update. Uh, a great app and I can't recommend it more. Thank you for your time, Ryan. Thank you, man. Had a great time. There it is. Mr. Ryan Mullins, CEO, co-founder, serial entrepreneur. The Aglet app, as you can tell, is very exciting to me. I think it will be great for the sneaker community. As I mentioned before, all of the links to the Aglet app are in the show notes below, and even my sneaker crew code if you want to join. It's been a blast so far picking up grails left and white. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. If you did, make sure to leave a rating and subscribe, and I'll catch you next week.